You're listening to the Electronic Media Collective Podcast Network. Yeah, it's a mouthful. For more great shows like the one you're about to enjoy, visit electronicmediacollective.com. And now, our feature presentation. Hey, Jordan, your usual drink tonight? Yes, thank you. So, where's Eric and Ryan? Uh, They're on their way. I wanted to listen to your latest podcast, but where can I download the episodes again? You can download all of our episodes at movieguyspodcast.podme.com. You can also find us on every social media platform. Every social media platform? That's awesome. Hey, it looks like your friends are here. Let me get the first round for you guys. I freaking love RoboCop 1987. This movie I have watched 50 times over. I cannot wait to talk about this one. We're talking about RoboCop 1987. Eric, how the hell are you doing? You have to make it a point of 1987, not to be confused with 2014's PG-13 uh, action crime failure. Is that what you're going to say? Doesn't it, well, yeah, because the 2014 doesn't exist. Either way, uh, both movies show a Detroit that is um, not too far off from itself. That's uh, that's about that's about that. Ryan, which RoboCop is your favorite RoboCop? Uh, I'm a fan of the first one. I actually haven't seen um, the second or third one, and the remake is the the remake is special. It's not good. Um, it is it tries too hard, but uh, I think it came out at a point where you had all these remakes of these old action movies coming out that mm-hmm. were trying really just too hard because they they got what made the original special uh, wrong. Yes. Yeah, a blatant reboot of an old franchise. That's what they're hoping for. Hoping it was going to hit gold again, and maybe they could. Uh... Probably do more of it, but thankfully, at least to my knowledge, we're just being dealt with the one remake. Yeah, but. no, yeah, we are. We are. Ironically, though, this RoboCop was not filmed in Detroit, filmed in Dallas. Yep, sounds about right. And the warehouse, the the old mill scenes, Pittsburgh. <laughs> See, uh, just get a rust belt and put a name on it. That's about it. Well, I mean, you can clearly tell because in the opening scene, when they're chasing Red Foreman, it's this beautiful, bright, sunny day with no clouds. And then as soon as you go to the old mill, it's this dark, gloomy, hey, we won six Super Bowls, fuck you atmosphere, you know? Yeah, is that uh, <laughs> Red Foreman? What's that guy's name again? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Kurtwood Smith. Yeah, that's Kurt what it is. Yeah. I know so many yeah. times I've... Uh, Seen his name at the starting of that 70s show. This guy, what a character actor, man. Like, him playing as, uh, uh, what, Clarence, right? This, uh, it's kind of a weird type of, uh, gangster, but ruthless as fuck, too. He also played, like, he's, he's played these villainous characters before, I think, later on. He also played a clan leader, I believe, as well. Which, was it A Time to Kill? I think you guys don't know the the filmography of Kurt Wood Smith, I guess. I mean, he know Jordan knows him 
for two things, and the only things that he deserves to be known for, and that's RoboCop and that 70s show, because that's just amazing. Dude was working in, like, the 80s and 90s, man. Like, uh, dude was just popping up in, like, those weird, you know, uh, um, one-offs that do like, Dead Poet Society. You remember he was in, uh, uh, yeah. played, uh, I think, Neil's father on that one. Um, yeah, and he's a character actor. I know that he's been he's shown up in, in uh, Star Trek's before. He's a popular one there. Like he's just everywhere. He can. He, the man will say no to no project. Of course he won't. So the reason why we're talking about RoboCop tonight is because this is kicking off a two-part series of what we're calling it the Paul Verhoeven series, which is just his RoboCop movie from '87 and his 1997 movie, Ten Years Later, Starship Troopers. Both heavy with satire, commercialism, heavy violence. And comparing where Paul Verhoeven, the director, was in 87, comparing to where he was in 97. But Paul Verhoeven here had had a one, two, three, four punch, right? I mean, we got we got RoboCop, we got Total Recall, Basic Instinct, and Starship Troopers. Now he made Showgirls in between, but those four are pretty solid, damn good movies. Well, the Are you going to disagree? Show, Showgirls is, uh, you know, I don't know if, if that was his project or if it was just kind of like, yeah, I'll take a paycheck. But, uh, you, you know, you're you're saying that, you know, because directors have good movies and bad movies. And he also did Hollow Man. So, Which so. I think is his last American film. Ryan, are you a Paul Verhoeven fan at all? I mean, like, do you do you like the four films that I named that he's known for? Oh yeah, no, I really like Paul Verhoeven. Um, I think he's one of those people uh, that he's good with a lot of the technical aspects, um, and it can. And there's um, sort of like a sexy sleaziness, especially with um, Basic Instinct, and you get that a little bit in Showgirls and Hollow Man. Um, that can kind of cover up some of the the rougher patches. But uh, if you watch some of his earlier stuff, like Soldier of Orange, Turkish Delight, I think it's called Turkish Fruits um, in English, and then this one movie called Spetas uh, that he made when he was still working in um, the Netherlands, the, they're really good. They're all really good. They're problematic, absolutely problematic when you look at them from today's perspective. Uh, but they're very, they're very well-made movies. Okay. Well, I mean, I haven't seen any of his work, but the ones that I've named. And, uh, you know, Showgirls is kind of like a guilty pleasure movie for my wife and I. We watch it probably once every couple of years because it is just ridiculous. You guys ever try to watch Showgirls on, on regular TV? Uh, they do CG uh, bras. Interesting. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I'm obviously aware of the movie because of Elizabeth Berkley. Uh, I mean, everyone was aware of that, right? I mean, I was a big fan of Saved by the Bell. And um, so, of course, I'm going to be watching uh, Jesse Spano uh, get up on the pole. And, yeah, I'm not going to talk about that movie. <laughs> I want to, but I'm not going to. RoboCop. Okay, now this is funny. The commercialism of RoboCop. Times are just different, guys. It's 1994. Probably not. I've already had multiple um, RoboCop toys at this point. I had an Ed, Ed 209. Um, I had a RoboCop uh, that actually talked. Do you guys have any RoboCop toys? No. No. I had like Ninja Turtles. Nope. 
There were there were toys. There's like this was a commercial. Uh, kind of, this is Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles, really? Yeah, Ninja Turtles. Like that was for kids, and it and it was not an well, R-rated the, movie. Well, they had the RoboCop Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, because they also had a Ramble one too at this point. Oh my God! Well, those Saturday morning cartoons were. That's right. Completely weird and obscure. Some of them. Right. I mean, like, I just, I just can't believe. So, pretty much, my question was to you guys. I think Bill and Ted had one too. Sorry, go ahead. Well, the new one's coming out. I can't believe. Um, so, can you guys believe that this movie, with it being very, very violent, can you guys, can you guys actually believe that they were marking this towards kids, back in the late eighties? I mean, I mean, this would not fly, right? Well, I don't know if they targeted this movie specifically, like, right out of the gate to kids. I think it kind of developed that way, just um, because you had the Saturday morning cartoon. You had uh, something that could be uh, licensed for merchandise very easily, something that could be attractive to kids. Um, Like, my first experience with RoboCop was... um, the RoboCop versus Terminator video game. Yeah. My uncle oh, had it. Yeah. My uncle had it on Sega. Okay. Sega Genesis. And uh, that's like that's my first experience. He also had this uh, really uh, this toy I like to cuz when I was younger I uh, was I had all these um, wrestling figures and I would, you know, wrestle with them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, he when we would go over this is like when I'm five six years old um i would bring toys with me when we would go over there and he would let me play like he would he had toys for his son my cousin and like i would play with them and he had this really cool robocop toy that had um i think it was a motorcycle and it shot something out of its arm so i don't know if it's from specifically this one or the robocop two or three but i really like that toy i thought it was pretty cool okay all right i was just curious what you guys thought of it and if it wasn't for a wife Paul Verhoeven never would have made this movie. This little bit of thing I found out today. Uh, they they wrote the script. Not a single person wanted to do the movie because of the title. Didn't even read the script. They've asked every Hollywood big-name director at this point, back in 84 and 85, and none of them wanted to do it. And they even gave it to Paul Verhoeven. And he said no, threw it out, wife grabbed the script, read it, and said, eh, this is kind of for you. Keep reading. And there you go. Now we got RoboCop because of because of the wife. And see, I don't see anybody else making this movie. Ser- serendipitous, right? It just uh, it just made sense. It was the right place, the right time, and it, and it worked out. And uh, no, this is probably a risky film to make, and you, it's a misfit film. That thing that's probably why, yeah, just as Ryan said, it, it kind of just steered into. Uh, the ability to go into Saturday morning cartoons and in franchises because of how just weird it is. It's a misfit movie where you have this the sci-fi character uh, also who's, who's marketed for good too. He's a he's a he's a good guy. He's a cop and he's protecting you know the city of Detroit and the, the bad people. Whereas um, other robots like Terminator, those are like the bad guys, you know, because uh, they're about destruction. So it's easier to market. The RoboCop to children because this is a, a hero character, is a superhuman uh, type, you know. So anything that like you know, same thing of the terms of like Superman, um, probably is what they what they went for on that part. But well, I, I'm glad it got it got made. He's obviously a a, a huge uh, iconic 
Uh, like the movie has quotes that are still used to this day. You know, like this movie is going to outlive um, obviously the the people involved in it, and that's really what you kind of want. I mean, it might be easier to say when I'm not Peter Weller. Um, you know, where everyone's just going to automatically put you to RoboCop, but... Okay, well now, before we get into the uh, nuts and bolts of the movie, pun intended, <laughs> uh, last question about for you guys is, is this concept of RoboCop ridiculous? Because I know every movie, for the most part, you, you have to have that gimme, right? You have to have that, you know, that that okay, this cannot happen kind of a thing, you know, but you go with it because it's the movie. Um, is this concept ridiculous in theory? Or is this actually a, a pretty decent concept? So, so uh, real, we'll real quick, no, no, real quick, to just to, to add on to that, and then Ryan can answer that too, is that, like, this is, we have the unique perspective, obviously, of being in the future and, and being able to, to look back. But there is that, that era of movie where it's just like, you know, the old technology, you know, right. kind of, uh, um, you know, I'm reminded of like maybe like when uh, uh, Wild West did like a lot of the steampunk stuff, you know, so it's just like the tech, the tech is there, but it's like, so there's that unique flavor to it. I don't understand why this was set in 2029. It clearly is 1987, but all right. Ryan, how about you answer that question there, bud, uh, if you don't mind. What, what do you what do you think? Do you think this concept is crazy? I think, I think on paper, it, it doesn't sound like anything special. That it's just uh, a, a cop that gets uh, almost murdered and brought back to life as a robot uh, cyborg. Um, that could be easily be a cheap B movie. Um, I think what I think what makes this movie special is that I feel like it came out at the right time because I think the politics of the era in the eighties, especially this is 87. They probably, they were probably doing production on it in 86. It's near the end of like the Reagan boom and all that. And it playing off the concept of, of privatizing certain government aspects of the government. And this one dealing with specifically privatizing uh, law enforcement. And I think like that social critique, and then also the fact that it's ultra violent, um, it came out, like after the run of Schwarzenegger and Stallone movies where they were just unreasonably violent, um, I think helps out a lot for why it was popular. Um, and I think that, yeah, on, I, on the surface, it, it's nothing special, but it's, yeah, the subtext that makes it memorable. Now, here's a controversial question watching it again. Is OCP really overall the bad guys or is it just Dick Jones? Because in the sequel, the old man becomes, quote-unquote, one of the villains. But in this movie, uh, the old man's not really a villain. Really. Right? I mean, like, is OCP really that evil? I'm not, you know what I mean? Is it supposed to be a, a, a maybe a uh, note of the, the, the corruption of power type of thing? Like, when you get to a certain point, you just become so, so just... You know what I mean? Just so so blinded by your own that um, maybe that's that's what this is supposed to be showing instead that there's I don't know there's balance. There's always got to be a light the dark side of the force, I guess. 
I took it as like it's um, they represent the sort of the uncaring nature of capitalism. Uh, like you have to step on people to get ahead in business, essentially. So like they might not be the out and out villains, but they do pre- they do perform an antagonist's role. Okay, because I was just curious because I was watching it last night. And I'm like, you know, Dick Jones really isn't that bad of a. I mean, Dick Jones is a bad guy. I'm sorry. But the old man wasn't really a bad guy. He saw what Dick Jones did and was, you know, when he, when his Ed 209 accidentally killed a guy and everything. And I was just curious what you guys thought of that one. Now, Bob, who was the young up and coming executive, he was written to be a bad guy, but he didn't turn out to be a bad guy for me either. Yeah, sure. He gets, yeah, he did some blow and had some fun with some hookers, but there's nothing to make him necessarily make him a bad guy, right? I mean, the villain clearly is Dick Jones and, you know, Red Foreman here. Oh, yeah, most most certainly. I think that um, maybe he... Did he die a hero because he didn't live long enough to become a villain? There you go. Yeah, I guess uh, uh, Morton, right? Uh, yeah, Bob, Bob Morton. Because I, I think that if he would have lived for the sequel, he would have been the villain. Sure. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is, watch this movie again, I thought OCP, you know, all of them were just Wall Street snobs and assholes and blah, 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 blah. But watching it again last night and preparing for this review, the only person that was evil there was really Dick Jones. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was and I thought that was an interesting conflict. Uh, Peter Weller as, as Murphy, RoboCop. Not a good Murphy, pretty good RoboCop, right? Is there, is there, is there a separation of the two, you think? Or is one the same? <laughs> like, I, I... Well, obviously they're different characters. I, I kind of understand that. But Robocop kind of, uh, after a while, takes on kind of a Murphy a bit, right? Like, he, they kind of meld a bit more. Like, Or was he always... Um, I, he does a... Peter Weller does a, a very good job being deadpan, and <laughs> I guess he's very robotic. He's not as colorful as some other actors, I'm sure. But... Uh, so he does a pretty good robot. It's, that's a dear, it's a weird compliment to give. Well, the, the reason why I asked that question is because I really didn't care about Peter Weller in, in the beginning of this movie because what this movie does, and, and it's a huge freaking risk, it's we're going to introduce you to the main character for only 10 minutes, if that, and then we got to spend the whole movie him becoming a robot and then trying and him trying to get his, get his humanity back. Traditionally, it would be reversed, right? So, like, because you want to feel bad that they're turning into a robot. I didn't, I didn't feel myself feeling bad that he was turning into a robot. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And I think what the movie's strengths are is little things like he goes to his house and, you know, he gets those memories back. I think that's a great idea to get it pushed along. That's what I think. Is a, is a good concept for the movie. I enjoyed it. I mean, in, in in that part, like that's a challenging thing, probably to 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 capture a bit more, especially in this uh, in this movie. It's like it's like a C plot line, and when you already have done A and B, and it's it's kind of um, you know, uh, to to humanize a robot, you know. Right. Okay. So Red Foreman has his group of henchmen. Ryan, what do you say you on this? Do you think this is a pretty good uh, B team? Good, uh, good henchmen here. Memorable henchmen. I think they're memorable. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, they, they each, they do enough to give each of them something that's memorable, except for maybe the Asian guy. Um, well, but, yeah, because yeah, all you I, got it, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, uh, Joe is very annoying. His laugh is very off-putting. Um, you have that's Emil. Good, no, that's good, yeah. Like, it, he's the bad guy. You're supposed to dislike him. I think it's it's very easy thing to do for a minor character, just to give them one one aspect um, that you can latch onto. Like, Joe, I latched onto his laugh, because every time he laughed, I thought it was annoying. Um, Emil uh, is the... the um, I, I got from Emil, he has severe uh, feelings of inadequacy. Uh, that's why he takes stuff out on people. That's why he tried to. Uh, that's why he threatened to kill the guy at the gas station. Um, and then I can't remember Ray Wise's character, but um, yeah, no, I think they're all good. Okay, I, I, Eric, same question for you, bud. Do you think they're all good B players? <laughs> I, it, this is a movie that I, I feel like are just full of characters. You know that it's it's supposed to to be a bit. Uh, Ridiculous, a little bit exaggerated, and so why not? Uh, the bad guys are very 80s, and I almost feel like uh, some of them are, are kind of doing stuff just to kind of stand out a bit more, you know, as actors almost, or maybe just, uh, you know, they kind of have their little, little niches there. I mean, it, it didn't need, I felt like it, it was kind of unnecessary just because these guys are probably just going to die anyway, but, you know. Uh, sure, you know, let's, let's see the gang and see, you know, what Bebop and Rocksteady are doing now. And, <laughs> Bebop, Rocksteady, Like, they don't, they don't have to have, these people don't need to have backstories because, you know, there's no attachment because they're expendable. And that's kind of what these guys were, but when you give them more and more, then you're, you're adding depth already, more angles to it, and, you know, it's, you're gonna kill them anyway, so. Right. I mean, I... I think that they do they do a really good job with the henchmen because when it does get down to the final showdown at the mill and these guys get picked off one by one, well, except for the Asian guy because he died in the cocaine house, but the other three, um, you like you feel satisfied that they're dying in the ways that they are, especially Emil when he gets the uh, the toxic waste and he's melting and then he just disintegrates when he get hit when he gets hit by a car. Like those are nice, for, rousing moments. Thank you for bringing that up. Because as a child, I had nightmares. As a young adult, I had nightmares. And as a grown man, I had nightmares. What a great makeup job when he got that toxic waste on him. Oh, my God. That was, I felt his pain. Back like, when... Uh, guy. <laughs> no, the, yeah, back when the, the makeup uh, was top-notch in these movies. Well, this is the guy who his I think his previous or no his most famous movie up to that point was The Thing, so they got like they got the top notch guy to do this sort of stuff. Oh, really? Uh, that that's not that's not Rick Baker. It's somebody else. Never mind. But you're Botton? right. Okay. I think his last name's Botton. Okay. No, that was that was. I mean, like, and by the way, the the old mill. I did not know the old mill just had random toxic waste floating around. But hey, you know. Why not? It was the '80s. It was it was lying around everywhere. They were throwing it in the rivers. Yeah, haven't you right. seen uh, Toxic Adventure? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I've seen half of that movie, and I was disgusted uh, very, very quickly. What do we think about RoboCop's female partner, real quick, uh, Lewis? 
Do you think that 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 uh, do we think that she is a good partner for him? Because quite honest with you, I don't like this actress. <laughs> uh, I mean, could it have been better? Sure, but I mean, I I, I feel like having the the lady uh, cop just kind of adds. I, I get it's supposed to add something to the dynamic uh, a bit more because it, you probably would not feel as as connected. Maybe I don't, I really don't know why. I, I don't. I, I guess I feel indifferent. I really. It's just one of those where she she didn't bring anything to the role for me to try to defend her. <laughs> okay, Ryan, like, how much do you feel? I'm glad that they didn't go with, like, the love, like, the they fall in love route. Like, her her love helps him reach his humanity, that sort of thing. I'm really happy they didn't do that. I think that Lewis being female isn't, like, it could have been a dude, and he probably would have gotten the same outcome. Um, but I think... Um, I think that they they try to do like because she takes care of him in the third act after he gets um, almost killed by the Ed two hundred nine, and uh, I think like they probably had it be a woman for like because there's a lot of diversity in the movie because it's supposed to be futuristic and like this time is all inclusive and, and everything, but I think that um, they use her to like sort of like the mother thing taking care of him. Uh, helping him heal. Uh, but like I said, if it was a dude, uh, a man, it probably would have the same outcome, and I wouldn't think twice about it. Yeah, the uh, the Ed 209, my God, what a, what a great creation that was. I, I love the stop motion. Stop motion in this kind of movie just has that kind of charm with it, and I just really like the overall Ed 209 design. What a great design that was. What a terrible idea for policing. But hey, great design nonetheless, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it was uh, a military weapon, <laughs> you know. Like it would be good for a war, uh, which I guess there was one on the streets of Detroit during this movie. But uh, yeah, uh, again, I go back to the clumsiness of the robot. All you need to do is just, I don't know, hide behind some stairs. Right. So since Ryan has never seen, I guess we'll close the show with this. Ryan has never seen. RoboCop 2 or RoboCop 3. Now, there's more than just RoboCop 2 and 3, Ryan. There's also three more Canadian-produced production RoboCops called Prime Directives, which were straight to video release, Ooh. by the way. Keeps on so, going. You know, this is this is a deep yeah. RoboCop mythos it, we have on here. Oh, it is. But I wanted Ryan to understand what he's missing. So RoboCop 2, the villain is a drug addict that's the villain and a 10 year old boy so the 10 year old boy is a drug addict no it's a 10 year old boy and a drug addict i was so gonna say if robocop murders a 10 year old boy i fucking i'll watch that movie tonight <laughs> Act, technically robocop 2 murders the boy uh in robocop 2 there's this new drug called nuke it's this little vial and it's red liquid, and they inject it into their necks. But when you watch the movie, you're like, "Well, how does they? How do they inject it into their necks? It's this weird design. There's no needle. They just like press it against their neck." And oh, the future, right? And uh, one of his henchmen is a is a foul mouthed ten year old boy because it worked in Terminator Two, so it'll work here. And 
RoboCop is doing great, but OCP wants to have another RoboCop, and they're going to call it RoboCop 2. So they take the drug addict's brain and put it into a second RoboCop. Now, on the surface, that seems like a recipe for disaster. Like, in, in this world, why, would, why is that the logical choice? Uh, well, because one works so well... Right. Well, no. Why would you take? Why would you take the drug addict, the villain guy, and put his brain in the thing? Oh well, I, I think they were just assuming that uh, it didn't matter. They need the brain to, to kind of have it function uh, rather than it be the robot. But instead, you then turned into that whole you know um, the the same thing, kind of like a uh, a Hulk and um, oh, what the hell was that thing in the other movie? Abomination, I think is. What they tried to do in the uh, the Edward Norton version. Yeah, that's pretty much okay. what it was. Yeah, because what they said in RoboCop Two, and then we'll go with three, and then we'll close out the show, is what they said in RoboCop Two is they had many pro- prototypes for, for for RoboCop Two, but all the uh, people that volunteered their bodies to the science were suicidal. Uh, the people inside the robots because their brains weren't pure enough, or they didn't have this, or they didn't have that. So then they decided, let's go find a drug addict. Wonderful. Interesting. Yeah. RoboCop 3, it's, it's even shorter. Uh, the movie is all about the occupation of old Detroit. The movie opens up literally with them, OCP's private military, breaking into people's homes, putting them in vans, moving them out of the city, and start to build Delta City. And there is Japanese bad guys in the movie that bought OCP and RoboCop has to fight a RoboCop samurai and he flies at the end with the jetpack yes yes that's what that's what we wanted right right Ryan you haven't Brian you need to see that one okay I, that I was just, the last that was <laughs> rated PG-13 isn't it uh yes, yeah RoboCop yes. 3 is yeah yeah. And that was the last Correct. one to hit theaters. That was the last one to hit theaters. And the only actor to be in all three movies that were released in theaters was the chick that played Lewis. Really? She's yeah. in all yep. three? Yep. She gets murdered in the beginning of the third one. Oh, but... one of those things. Kind of like kind of like how Jada Pickett-Smith was in Scream 2. Yeah. Or exactly. Drew Barrymore was in Scream, I guess. Yeah. Exactly. And then, uh, of course, Peter Weller did not come back for RoboCop 3. But, Ryan, don't you want to see a samurai RoboCop going against RoboCop? Is, does he look like RoboCop, or is he just a robot? Human. Uh, Terminator style. Uh, robot underneath, skin on top. Samurai. Hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm, 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 not, I'm gonna be honest with you. It doesn't sound too tempting to me. And what's really fun is seeing this very, very talented samurai swords, I don't know if it's stunt guy or whatever, doing his, you know, moves and stuff around RoboCop, and he just stands there like a fucking brick because he can't move like a fucking samurai. It's beautiful. And then they give him a jetpack at the end. It's a great thing. Yo, RoboCop 3 has got a lot of people in it. Like RoboCop three, it does. Like Stephen Root was in it apparently. Rip Torn is in this. Uh, you're right. Rip- Nancy Allen makes her. Yeah, it says Rip Torn. Rip Torn is the new CEO of OCP in that movie. 
Yeah. I believe. Now that's a guy who will say yes to everything. Right. So, Ryan, do you want to continue with your RoboCop knowledge? <laughs> I mean, I may watch RoboCop 2, but RoboCop 3 sounds like garbage. Oh, RoboCop 3 jumps off the rails. RoboCop 2 is not a... RoboCop 2 is a bad sequel, but I saw what they were trying to do. If they just made the movie about RoboCop going after this drug addict, sure. Why not? But to have him literally fight... RoboCop 2 is interesting, and it's directed by Irvin Kirshner, director of uh, Empire Strikes Back. That And uh, just the special effects, I guess if you can call them that, uh, just don't, uh, they don't age well. They don't. I mean, they there's, don't. A, there's, there's a part, I think, in RoboCop 2 where I think he gets dismantled a few times, right? And it's just kind of, you know, just, just weird puppet servos that are very kind of, yeah, it's silly. Yeah, it's very silly. Well, let's see what you guys have to say about RoboCop 1987. I think it goes without question where we're going to give it. Uh, Eric, what say you? What's your popcorn rating for RoboCop 1987? I think this is a fantastic movie. It's uh, one of those where it it doesn't need anything uh, like as far as deeper substance. Listen, it's action, crime, and science fiction. It's got guns and it's got quotes. Uh, I think it's a it's a it's a fun movie that um, is will forever hold its place in pop culture uh, history. Uh, this is a large bag for me. I've seen the musical twice. Um, there is a production apparently of RoboCop musical that has been uh, has been going around. Uh, it's been shown in Detroit a few times, and it's just wonderful. Uh, they do have puppets. For it, it's it's silly, but this movie is, is fucking silly too. So let's not pretend like you know uh, a musical isn't going to be too absurd. They made Evil Dead a musical um, on Broadway as well too. So let's just roll with it. I, uh, RoboCop is a, is a large bag. Uh, myself is definitely a large bag. This is one of my top 100, 150 movies of all time. It's just really great. Uh, the satire is amazing. Uh, this is the kind of movie I like. This is the kind of world I like. Uh, and I love the news clippings in the beginning, middle, and end. It's kind of like splits the axe up. And uh, those news clippings are not to just, you know, foo-foo around, I guess is the word I'm trying to say, because they actually tell a cohesive story throughout, which I find interesting. It builds the world. Um, I'm not a fan of some stuff like I've already established, but this movie is great, and I, I will watch it again and again and again. And I think Paul Verhoeven is at the top of his game right now with this one. So, large bag for me. Ryan, what are you going to give RoboCop? I mean, it's obvious. A large bag. This movie is a classic for a reason. There is a reason we're still talking about. We're still fawning over it almost 40 years later. Um, the I, I like... The things I like the best... Uh, uh, first run through, when I first watched this movie... When I was a kid, obviously, a huge fan of the hyper-violence. Uh, a lot of blood, a lot of cursing. That's going to get me hooked. Um, but as an adult, the stuff I like the most now... Um, like, I'm really drawn to Kurtwood Smith's performance in this movie. He does all these little subtle things that I didn't... I, like, I didn't notice the first couple times I watched it. Where, like, he dips his fingers in the, the, the drug lord's wine... As he's talking, then he sniffs it. It's it's just really weird when he spits out <laughs> his blood. Uh, when he puts his gum on the the secretary's nameplate, it's like these little tiny things that I think that build that make you like subconsciously just be like disgusted by the guy. Um, 
Peter Weller's fantastic in this movie, especially as RoboCop. It's not an, it, this, it could not have been an easy performance to give because that suit had to have been hard to act through. Um, but yeah, the special effects are top-notch. Uh, the, the makeup effects are outstanding. And yeah, this is this is one of my favorite movies of all time as well. Oh, wow. Okay, good. I'm not alone in that. I thought it would be. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for listening to us rant and rave about RoboCop. Next week, we're going to end our Paul Verhoeven comparison series here with Starship Troopers. And then tune in at the end of the month for our continuation of the 80s hard R teen sex comedies with Porky's. I haven't seen Porky's in probably 10 years. So I'm, I'm getting excited for Porky's here. My wife's never seen it. I said, wait till the shower scene. She goes, let me guess, <laughs> naked women. I was like, not necessarily. This will so, be good. This will be good. It'll be good. It'll be good. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back next week for Starship Troopers. Have a good night.